Brilliant. We're in Matthew chapter 9. Um, for those with the Bibles, it's page 814. That's Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins and so both are preserved. I'll pray for us as we start. Our Heavenly Father, we pray this lunchtime that you would open our hearts for what the Lord Jesus has to say to us today. And I pray that we might be equipped and go back to the offices and speak about the Lord Jesus boldly. And in his name we pray. Amen. Have you ever wondered if your colleagues will be in heaven? Have you ever wondered if your colleagues will be in heaven? We're spending so much time with our colleagues. We are plowing our energy, our hours into what matters to our company. One of my colleagues recently retired uh, after having spent 30 years working for the same company. And he's, he celebrated his retirement um, with a guy who had done exactly the same. They had worked together side by side more than 50,000 hours. And as Christians, it makes you wonder, will my colleague be in heaven? You may have not asked this question so far, but it will come up. I've been with my company for seven years, and I've been to more than one funeral of my colleagues. Even if people are not particularly religious, most people would hope that there is a heaven and that they will be there. Charlie Puth, see you again. But what if there is a heaven? Something we believe as Christians, but your colleagues won't be there. You spend so much time working together on the office floor or 
wherever it is you're working. Um, relationships build, friendships growing, only to find out later that at the gates of heaven, your ways part. How could this have happened? And the question you, that we want to consider this lunchtime is what would cause you to miss out on heaven? What would cause you to miss out on heaven? And we shall see that it's a failure to recognize the God of mercy. For the past weeks on Thursday lunchtime, we've, look, we've been looking at the Gospel of Matthew, and we've seen a variety of short episodes of the Lord Jesus. And we saw that the Lord Jesus is not just able to deal with the symptoms of sin, but with sin itself by offering forgiveness. And at the same time, we've seen a um, growing progression in how people respond to him. Some respond in humble submission, being able to listen. Others, in increasing rejection. And while we will see both responses in our passage today, we'll spend the majority of our time on people's failure to respond rightly. What would cause you to miss out on heaven? You fail to recognize the God of mercy. Let's look back at our passage today, Matthew 9, starting in verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Our passage today starts in a very positive tone. Matthew, Jesus calls Matthew, who immediately rises and follows him. You may have heard uh, that the tax collectors in the day were those who sided with the Romans. Uh, they were despised. They frequently took uh, more than they should have uh, to have a cut for themselves. But Jesus um, actually goes to these tax collectors and sinners. And our author, Matthew, who happens to be the same person in the story, wants us to notice that it's these kinds of people Jesus came for. Tax is mentioned three times in three verses. And so these sinners and tax collectors recline with him. We ought to imagine the scene. They're sitting at the table, um, Jesus with those who were really despised by society. And it's really nice and warm atmosphere. Uh, maybe a Sunday roast being served, a light touch of coffeehouse music in the background, chats around the table. Everyone having a good time. But suddenly the atmosphere changes. There's grumbling in the crowd and the music is turned down. A little party never killed nobody? Well, apparently not for some guys. Some people want to be party crashers. But why? What's the problem? Is it the wrong kind of music? Would they rather prefer a little jazz? Or is it the food? Maybe just not compatible with their vegetarian diet. And as you look back at the text with me, you'll notice two questions from two different groups of people. The first one comes from verse 11 from the Pharisees. Why? Does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And the second one comes in verse 14 from the disciples, John. Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And both questions will give us insight into our opening question. What causes people to miss out on, on heaven? You fail to recognize the God of mercy, point one, by excluding others, and point two, by not rejoicing. And you'll find both points on your handout. First point then, you'll fail to recognize the God of mercy by excluding others. 
and I read from verses 11 to 13. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the right, but sinners. So the big thing Jesus wants the Pharisees to know is that because they fail to understand the character of God, they fail to understand what behavior God expects of his people. And as we look at these verses again, let's first to pay attention to how they fail to recognize the God of mercy and how this then causes them to not respond rightly. The episode, episode starts with a simple question from the Pharisees. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And I want to suggest it's, it's not a genuine question, um, but a critical assessment of who Jesus eats with. One of these, how can you, questions. And as Jesus overhears that question, he aims to correct their misunderstanding. What have they got wrong? They fail to understand that God is merciful. And the way Jesus is making his point is by quoting from the Old Testament, the prophet Hosea, where God himself rebukes the people of Israel because they fail to understand that he is a God of mercy. In Hosea, we see God showing mercy to his people despite their disobedience. They had failed to recognize that God is merciful, and so they, they failed to recognize who he is for. He's for tax collectors and sinners. God is showing mercy even to the most rotten sinner you know. Who is the person in your office that you would least expect to be in heaven with you? Maybe someone in your team, always working from home, you know, doing private stuff, planning the vacation, calculating the mortgage. Everyone knows about it. Everyone is annoyed because you have to work longer hours to make up for it. Maybe it's someone on your office floor, the person who always uh, initiates the office banter, the gossip, spreading rumors, complaining about people's back. Or maybe it's just this one person despised by everyone for fighting for the boss's attention while being a terrible team player. These are the kinds of people Jesus sits with and eats with. And the Pharisees don't like it. They don't like it because they fail to recognize who God is. He is a God of mercy. They fail to recognize who he is for. He's for sinners and tax collectors. And so they fail to recognize what behavior he expects of them. Mercy. And so they exclude others. Let's look back at verse 13. Jesus says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And we can see how a wrong understanding of who God is, the wrong understanding of his character paves the way for a wrong response. If you miss that God is merciful, you will miss to be merciful yourself. God desires his people to have mercy for others over and above religious sacrifice. But you won't get it if you fail to understand that he's merciful. So Jesus tells them, go and learn. And you may have spotted, if you look back at the text with me, um, that the Hosea quote is actually bracketed by these two contrasts on either end. Verse 12, the doctor is not for the healthy, but the sick. And verse 13b, Jesus did not come to call righteous, but sinners. 
and the Pharisees are offended that tax collectors and sinners are at the table, it seems that their assumption is that Jesus' holiness is compromised because he is eating with them. But Jesus' picture of the doctor makes clear that he's not just another patient in the waiting room risking to be infected. No, as he is sitting with them, his righteousness is not compromised, but actually extended to them. And if you've been with us these previous weeks, it's a picture that we've seen before. You may remember Matthew 8, the beginning of our series, where we saw a leper. And Jesus touches this leper, but instead of catching leprosy himself, he's cleansing him. And in our passage today, Jesus says, if you don't understand that God is merciful, you won't understand why he's eating with what represents the most visual form of sinners in his day. In other words, fail to recognize him, you'll fail to recognize who he came for, and you fail to recognize to show mercy yourself. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And I wonder how people respond. People you know, how do they respond to God's mercy? I have a friend, um, let's call him George, who started to come to our church, and he's a very good, very skeptical guy, but he even started to read some of the stuff that I gave him. And the other night he was telling me um, about a family situation of his. A young mom having just given birth to a baby and the dad almost immediately after birth had just left. He felt it's too much responsibility. Some of you may know that I have a little son myself, a little Jonas who just turned one. And I can imagine the situation, it's, it's horrifying. And so we had this conversation about God's mercy. He asked me, um, what, what do you make of that? Like, what do you think about this guy? What does the Christian faith say about this guy? And I was telling him that God would even have forgiveness for him if he repented and seeked forgiveness from Jesus. <laughs> I can tell you, it really offended George. It really offended him. He couldn't stand that God would be merciful. And he's not the only example like that. I know plenty of people who, who respond like that to God's mercy. They don't like it. They've worked so hard their entire lives to do things right, to be nice. So how can God be merciful to someone who's so visibly failed? And that's the problem for the Pharisees. They were self-righteous. They didn't understand that God is a God of mercy. So they were not showing mercy to others. According to a 2019 survey from the Christian entity Lifeway, every third young adult that drops out of church says it's due to judgmental and hypocritical church members. I hope you see how the Lord Jesus is not just rejecting, but opposing such behavior. Go and learn. And the tragedy is that as the Pharisees questioned Jesus' table fellowship with the tax collectors and sinners, they exclude themselves. Now, we are not the Pharisees, but I wonder if we might be tempted subconsciously even to exclude others as well. Think back again of your office floor. Is there a person you would never share the gospel with? Maybe this person just doesn't seem interested. Or maybe this person is known for belonging to a different religious group. Or maybe it's, you remember this one meeting where the person exposed a failure of yours in front of all others. 
as I've been reflecting on this passage, I was very aware how often I personally discriminate in my own evangelism. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, says Jesus. What would cause you to miss out on heaven? You fail to recognize the God of mercy by excluding others. And with that, we transition to the second group in our passage today that is raising a question. The dynamic slightly changes. In the first episode, we saw the Pharisees who raised a question with Jesus about his disciples. In the second episode, the disciples of John raise a question with Jesus about his disciples. What is their question? Verse 14. Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus answers, the wedding guests cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is among them. And if you follow your hand out, that's point two. What would cause you to miss out on heaven? You fail to recognize the God of mercy by not rejoicing. And I will read again from Matthew 9, 15. And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. In this episode, Jesus wants the disciples of John to know that he is the Lord himself who has come as the bridegroom for the wedding with God's people. He comes to bring mercy. But very similar to the Pharisees, they fail to recognize that God is merciful. And because they fail to recognize the God of mercy, they fail the right response. They don't rejoice, but mourn. Firstly, then, let's take a look at how the disciples of John fail to recognize the God, that God is merciful. They miss the wedding and its bridegroom. Verse 15, Jesus is answering their question with a rhetorical question. Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? And Jesus uses again the Old Testament to make the point that he is the bridegroom. It's an image from the prophets Isaiah and Hosea. Both prophets were looking forward to a day when the Lord would show mercy to his people and reestablish his relationship with them. It's described as a wedding feast with the Lord himself as the bridegroom. And we need to pause for a moment and zoom out, out here to understand how climactic that is. Ever since the garden, God's people have been looking forward to a day when Eve's offspring would claim victory over Satan. The prophet spoke of this hundreds and hundreds of years before. And imagine for a moment um, all the generations waiting, asking the same question. When will he come? Grandfather to grandson to grandson to grandson. You get a point. And then, boom, he's here. The Lord himself, having come to restore his relationship with his people and showing mercy to them. And the prophets were speaking of a wedding. Um, what would that wedding have to look like? I think back of the wedding of Prince William and Kate in 2011. Some of you may remember. I was traveling to different countries um, back then. And wherever I went, it was a big deal on the media. The sheer size of it, the number of people invited, the names on the guest list, the food. What a joyful and significant event. And the picture that we have of um, the wedding of God and his people is this royal wedding, but just a thousand times bigger and better. That's the picture of our passage today, a beautiful wedding. As the day comes, everything is prepared. 
tablecloth neatly arranged, music starting to play, the first guests arriving, helping themselves with some starters. But then the big shock. Bunch of guys appearing, dressed up all in black. And you wonder what's, what's going on? They ask for the food to be returned back to the kitchen. They are asking for a fast instead of a feast. What's going on? They seem to have completely misread the occasion. You came to celebrate the wedding, but you can't stop to think that they've come for a funeral. The disciples of John missed the wedding and its bridegroom. They missed that he has come to restore the relationship with his people and have mercy on them. And we can see the parallel between the disciples of John and the Pharisees. Miss the God of mercy, you'll miss the right response. Jesus is stressing that fasting is appropriate, but only when the bridegroom is gone, thereby pointing to his death. But in this situation, John's disciples failed to recognize that Jesus, the bridegroom, and the Lord himself, the God of mercy, having come to restore the relationship. And because they failed to recognize who he is, they failed to recognize the right response, rejoicing instead of mourning, feasting instead of fasting. And as I was preparing for this, I noticed that Jesus' primary concern is to address the inappropriate behavior of John's disciples. But by way of implication, we can also learn something about the right behavior that is shown by Jesus' disciples in this episode. Yes, fasting has its place, in Christian discipleship. We learned that in the book of Acts. But I wonder if this section would not encourage an attitude of rejoicing in the Christian life. As we come towards the end of the term, I'm sure many of us feel exhausted, tired, maybe barely getting by. A couple of people are sick today. As Christians, we don't have to put on a mask to pretend but I want us to grasp the sense of rejoicing that Jesus talks about, the deeply rooted conviction that the bridegroom has come, he has restored. The wedding bells are ringing as we speak. We can be joyful, even if our circumstances may not always seem like that. And Jesus is concluding both episodes um, in verses 16 to 17. Let's, let's read. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and the worst tears made. Neither is new wine put into old white skins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wine skins, and so both are preserved. I want to suggest that we treat these verses rather in their proverbial meaning than as mini allegories. Matthew wants to show us that if we fail to recognize the newness of something, it will destroy what you have. And the, the images that he gives um, might be quite familiar to us, actually. My wife just bought a new MS jumper recently, only to figure out that after its first laundry run, it had shrunk significantly. And even if you're no wine expert, it seems somewhat obvious that as wine is fermenting, it expands. In both cases, the new cloth and the new wine, the old is destroyed if you don't appropriately accommodate for the newness of what you have. So both illustrations function as a summary of our two episodes this lunchtime. The Pharisees and the disciples of John fail to recognize the newness that Jesus is bringing in fulfillment of the old. 
they fail to recognize that he is the God of mercy, so they exclude others. They fail to recognize that he's the bridegroom, so they don't rejoice. And I wonder if you spotted the parallels to us today. Who fails to recognize the God of mercy? It's the religious establishment of the day. Who responds rightly to Jesus? Tax collectors, sinners, the disciples of Jesus. Do you see the parallels? How will your colleagues hear about the God of mercy? We started with the question, um, if you ever wondered if your colleagues will be in heaven, what would your colleagues say? Will they be in heaven? Some might say, well, I must be, uh, I have a good job, fantastic family life. I work hard and I work with integrity and I give back to the community. I contribute financially. Uh, and I even go to church quite regularly, actually. Imagine this person to find out on the last day that he or she got it all wrong. Yes, there is a heaven, but this person misses out. In Matthew 7, just before our section we are covering here on Thursday lunchtime, Jesus says the following words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What a shock. How do you make sure not to miss out on heaven? Don't miss the God of mercy. Let me lead us in prayer. Our heavenly father, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the Lord Jesus and the mercy that you've shown to us in him. Father, we pray that we would be people who are responding rightly to your mercy. Help us to have mercy to others and help us to rejoice and share your mercy with others as we go back to our offices. In Jesus' name, amen.